I'm Mary Carroll, and I'll be reading the scriptures with you and for you. And we're starting out with a refrain uh, using Psalm 33, and the choir will do the leading. Andrew will play it once, they will sing the refrain once, we will sing the refrain once, and then we will start doing the overhead. So follow. <laughs> Come and follow me like Jesus said. to God for joy, you righteous. Praise is fitting from loyal hearts. Give thanks to God with the harp. Sing and praise to God with the ten-stringed lute. Sing a new song to God. Play skillfully and with shouts of joy. For the word of God is true. God's every deed is faithful. what is right and just. The earth is full of your constant love. By your word, the heavens were made, the countless stars by the breath of your mouth. You gathered the waters of the sea as in a goatskin. You stored the deep in cisterns. Let all the earth fear you, O God. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe. For you spoke, and it came to be. You commanded, and it stood firm. You foil the plans of the nations and frustrate the schemes of the peoples. Your counsel, O God, shall stand forever. The purposes of your heart through all generations. Happy the nation who has you as God. Happy the people you chose as your own. Our heart rejoices in you, O God, because our hope is in your holy name. Let your steadfast love be upon us as we put our trust in you. gospel this morning is from the book of Matthew, starting at verse 9, 9 to 13. 
As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with them and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Uh, Lord, the beauty is that you call, you call not the righteous or the upright, but you call those who are in need of your grace and the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that your Holy Spirit is present in this place and that through your living word, you speak your word of life. In Jesus' name, amen. I have not come to call the righteous, Jesus says. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. According to today's scripture passage, Jesus hasn't come to call the righteous, the good, the great, the morally upright, or the perfect, but apparently the opposite. He's come to call the weak. He's come to call losers and failures and screw-ups. He's come to call the guilty and the ungrateful to draw them into relationship with himself. You know, Jesus has this community clubhouse and there's a sign outside that says, sinners only. Sinners only. I figured that we should put that on the church sign, but somebody said maybe that wouldn't be the best PR for the church. Now, it's not a pleasant phrase to our 21st century ears. The word sinner itself comes with so much baggage. It's often been used by Christians as a way to condemn some of us here. Um, I'm thinking particularly of uh, those of us who are gay or lesbian may hear this word. In this word, echoes of a painful past with the church. To be a sinner is to be the opposite of righteous, someone who falls short of who they should be and what God demands. A sinner is someone who needs to change. Like who other than, you know, you just picture maybe like a Marvel supervillain calling together uh, the most morally unacceptable people there are into a super team of villains. You know, who else uh, wants to belong to a club where the standards are so low? 
where the only requirement is a deficit of goodness, a lack of righteousness. A sinner is the last thing any of us wants to be or see ourselves as. It's the last thing we ever want to be. And you know, it's the last type of person that you expect a holy person like Jesus, let alone a holy God, to call. You know, it's a little odd, to say the least. It's a little, just a little bit odd. It's a lot odd. (laughs) But believe it or not, this phrase conveys the cornerstone of truth on which the whole Christian message stands. And the community of the church stands. You know, this should be our mission statement, I guess you could say. Jesus says this in response to the Pharisees, some of his competitors. Here in the passage, the Pharisees spot Jesus and his pals partying at this guy Matthew's house with a bunch of Matthew's friends. Matthew's a tax collector, and if you recall, tax collectors work for the Roman occupation. Their job is to squeeze their fellow countrymen and women of what little money they may have, and they send it straight back to Rome. For their trouble, they get to skim a healthy portion off the top. So they're liars, and they're cheats, and they're greedy. They're hard-hearted traitors. So the Pharisees kind of rightly wonder what Jesus is doing eating with people like this. You know, you're, you're endorsing them. You're enabling them, Jesus. If Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Holy One of Israel, what's he doing with such unholy people? Like, what's the deal Jesus. And you know, Jesus overhears this and he issues his reply. He says, those who are well, those who are well, have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. You see, we assume that the spiritual life is something like this, be good, and you'll be blessed. Do good, and you'll be rewarded. You know, come to church on June 11th, you know, like I said, gold stars for you at the pearly gates. If you can climb a ladder of holiness or accomplishment, or you can reach enlightenment, then you'll get a glimpse of the divine. Get right, and you'll get God. Get right, and you'll get God. This is our mode of thinking. But Jesus says the exact opposite. Athletes in perfect condition don't need doctors, Jesus says. It's sick people who need healing. Unless you think that the sick people are the, only the obviously messed up, the Scriptures say otherwise. As the Apostle Paul says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. No one is righteous Not one. Not one. The scriptures say that sin is a universal human condition. The sickness that the Pharisees have is the inability to see their own sin. An inability to look at themselves and be honest about their own falling short. These people are sick, and I've come to make them well, Jesus says. That's my entire mission. I've come to heal 
the sickness of sin, that brokenness at the heart of all of humanity. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving. No, wait, Jesus is the doctor. So I'm the doctor, I'm the doctor, I'm here to give you the news. I've got a bad case of loving you. There we go. Remember that passage in the book of what in the book of Isaiah? It says, Jesus says, that passage says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go and learn that passage. That's the key to understand what I am up to, Jesus says. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I don't need you to be good to love you. I don't need you to be perfect to bless you. I don't need your sacrifices to forgive you or heal you because I've sacrificed myself once and for all. If you're not sick, I've got nothing for you, Jesus says. If you're not broken, I've got nothing to do with you, Jesus says. But if you are sick... If you are broken, well then, I've come to bring you everything you need. This is why Jesus says, I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Because God comes to us not simply in our goodness, but in our very lack of it. God doesn't come to add further award to our achievements, you know, to add a few more muscles to the already ripped. But he comes to redeem our failures. He comes to us in our sin, our suffering, our brokenness, and he's done it in his death and resurrection once and for all. Christianity is not first about us and our goodness but about God and God's goodness towards us. It's the message of that word we love so much, that word we call grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The song doesn't go, Jesus, I'm going to stop being a wretch, and then maybe, just maybe, you might bless me. The song doesn't do that. It's a message of grace, not just for the good, but for sinners. God sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike, which is to say me, which is to say you, and perhaps the hardest part, it's to say your neighbor, which is to say us all. Christ has not come to condemn sinners, but to call them. He's come for the sake of your healing and mine. This is the cornerstone of the Christian message. Christianity is not a religion of works. It is a religion of grace. I would argue that in its heart, it's not really a religion, but let's just, you know, use that language for now. Now, again, it's easy to understand Christianity about first being good and doing good, and it's easy, just as easy, to think about the church in that way, too. We think this with the church. It's easy to think of the church as a community of the righteous, as people who've made it to a certain level of goodness or practice or knowledge. 
But that is the gateway to extreme disappointment. It doesn't mean that there aren't people in the church doing good, doing well, doing wonderful things. But it does mean that the community is not a community first of the righteous. You know, it's let those of us who, you know, this idea has let those of us who know we fall short to steer clear of the church for fear of judgment or not being worthy. I mean, I know people that don't come up for communion because they don't think that they're worthy of the gift of grace. And it's also led to self-righteousness for those of us who think we're doing pretty good. That's the Pharisees. They, they don't see their own issues. And, I mean, it's, the Pharisees are good guys. Like, I think that we sort of get this cartoon villain, you know, with the twirling mustache view of the Pharisees. But these guys are serious. These are serious practitioners of biblical religion. But the thing is, they think that their adeptness at this practices is what justifies them before God. You know, some of us know what it's like to be dropped in the sinner column and then drop-kicked from the church membership role. But this is the last thing we need more of in our world, the last kind of community our world needs, a community of the righteous. Because it's already our human default, isn't it? Politics is becoming less about policy and more about who's righteous and who isn't. Ideological purity can be the measure of who we're willing to be with or to listen to. Even the beer we buy has become a test of our goodness and our righteousness. Or if we choose not to buy a particular beer, too. This sort of community is already everywhere, and it is stifling. It is stifling. We just can't live up. We just can't be good enough. And as soon as there's an opening, as soon as there's a slip or fall, we're out. On account of the fact that Jesus comes to call the righteous, though, the church is to be a different kind of community. Of course, we're so often not any different. In fact, we can be a hyperized version of this kind of self-righteous community. But on account of the gospel, we're meant to be a different kind of community than the others. Jesus comes to call not the righteous, but sinners. The community that Jesus calls together with Matthew and his friends is a kind of parable for the church. You know, you sort of picture this McMansion, you know, this Matthew has been able to buy this wonderful home with all of his tax collecting money. You know, people are jumping in the pool. You know, there's a bar, open bar, and, you know, Jesus is kind of hopping from table to table, eating with everybody there. Not only are these guys sinners, they're sinners who Jesus brings together. That's kind of the difference. I mean, we could have a community of sinners, for sure, you know. Hell's angels. <laughs> That's the community, a community of sinners. No offense to any hell's angels that are, that are out there. Please don't hurt me. 
Um, but the great Swiss theologian Karl Barth once said that the first true Christian community was the two thieves hanging on the cross on either side of Jesus. And this community that Matthew brings us is kind of a foreshadowing of that event. I'm reminded of post Pope Francis's phrase from a few years ago when he said that church isn't a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. Church is a community of people broken, yet beloved, falling short, though forgiven, brought together by the crucified and risen Christ for the sake of their healing. The thing that we have in common when we come to church is that we are sinners, but we come as people in need of grace. Other communities are called together by shared interests, by similar viewpoints, united by politics or united by practices. It's not that this stuff isn't important or irrelevant, but our common shared identity is the fact that we're all sinners, and not just that we're sinners, but that we're sinners in need of grace, and not that we're sinners in need of just that we're sinners in need of grace, but that we're sinners in need of grace who find that grace together. in the presence of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what baptism is all about. Our identity is those broken being made whole, those sick being made well, those who are dead being made alive, those who share a common condition seeking the same cure. And this is what Holy Communion is about as well. The community of those whose common characteristic is that we come together to the same table with the same open hands, ready to receive. And if we can find our common identity, not in our goodness or our rightness, then it's bound to create in us a sense of humility rather than smug superiority. A willingness to lean on grace rather than making our stand on self-righteousness. It's all we've got to offer the world, really. And for a world that is so fixated on law and judgment and self-justification, this is exactly the kind of community that our world needs. You know, we've got this electronic sign outside, one of my favorites. Let's see if somebody can guess. What is one of my favorite things to put on that sign? Church is full of hypocrites, and there's always room for one more. It's not quite sinners only, but it gets at the same idea. Brothers and sisters, siblings in Christ, Christ has come to call not the righteous, but sinners, and it's not simply an epithet that we, slur, that, that we throw at other people. Not only has he called sinners, he has called them to himself, and he's called them to himself here in this place. He's called us to himself for the sake of our healing. He's called you to this place for the sake of your healing and that we might participate in the healing 
of others and creation. As strange as this call may be, it's the good news at the heart of the Christian message and the foundation of the church. It's the message of grace and it's the lifestyle of grace. It's the good news that Christ has come for you as you are, not as you should be. And he's come bringing you mercy rather than demanding sacrifice. It's good news because it means that God's not waiting for your life to get in order for you to get well, but that God is into making house calls in Jesus Christ for the sake of us all. May the risen Lord who is present with us by the power of the Holy Spirit grant us the same empathy and humility that was in Christ Jesus, that we may be witnesses, witnesses of grace to our friends and our neighbors. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Please remain 